0: Recording here. Hey, Stacy Pals. Well, that is slightly filtered. Thank you, Jason Brown. We are slightly filtered, but only slightly because how many words are we not allowed to say? Seven. And what are they? They're according to George Carlin. <laughs> they are bleep bleep, bleepler, bleep, 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 bleepler, bleep, 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 and bleep, bleep, bleep.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> I will not say any of those bleeping, bleeping, grellacing words.
0: Yes. Do not say those, please. And do, please do not talk about how you beat me in foosball. Okay. Oh, I,
1: I will not talk about how I beat you. I'll just talk about how I whooped your... Oh, wait.
0: Okay, there goes the hand. Rollick. There goes the hand. Um, we have an amazing guest today. I'm so excited that you're here. Christopher Blatt, thank you so much for coming on. Wait, you live down here. I live right? I was going to say, coming on down the mountain. I thank you for that lived down here. <laughs> track
1: down. Long two-minute drive. Down <laughs> lane, whichever one you chose to come down. I He's know right. how rough it is.
0: Hey, didn't you just go up to the Bristlecone? Were you just mm-hmm. there not too long ago? Yeah.
2: yeah, you know, uh, my husband and I, Wills, has been on your...
0: He was our I first think, guest.
2: Your first guest. Uh, yeah, we went up there over the weekend. It's beautiful. You know, we go up there on in the summer when you want to escape the 100-degree heat. It's a nice place to go if you go early in the morning because you get there before the tourists get there, and you pretty much have it to yourself. So,
0: Well, if you can deal with 10,000 feet in altitude, isn't that how high it is? Yeah, it's ten thousand feet in altitude. Yeah,
2: yeah. This is the
1: weekend to escape it, even though we don't know what month this is airing in. One hundred and seven down here. Yeah,
0: one hundred and seven. It's going to be hot down here. Oh, it's going to be eighty something in in Mammoth, so Whoa. that's hot. You know, Eight thousand feet. That's that. All the
2: hot. Mammoth people will be complaining. Yeah. Yes,
0: <laughs> they will be. Compl- they will be complaining, and all as of this, I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to change by the time this airs. But as of right now. The Lake Basin, you can't drive up there. You can... Uh, the and uh, No, it's the Forest Service, and they have to fix the electric lines, oh. the bathrooms. You know, they were all damaged okay. yeah. because of the horrible winter that we had. Sure. So well, you, you were down here most mm-hmm. of the winter, right? Yeah. You I... still got a lot of snow. I mean, you yeah. could call me and say... I can't believe there's flooding going on, down.
1: Well, and you know what? Talking about the flooding, not to get too off topic, but we are really lucky that we had a June that wasn't triple digits like normal because if True. not, we would have had that disaster that they were yeah. talking about. Yeah. We got really blessed with having 80 to 90 degree weather. Yeah. If not, if we would have had the high triple digits through the whole month of June like normal, this, this
2: valley would be flooded. There's still a lot of water out there, though.
1: There is, yeah. but I, I think that we... The staggering is really going to help, and I think that we won't have the major disaster. They were were talking about Highway 6 getting cut off. Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. Everything. Now, you grew up here, right?
2: I grew up in Bishop.
0: You grew up in Bishop. So when did you leave Bishop? Because I know that you ended up in New York somehow. So how did that all transpire?
2: Yeah. So I grew up in Bishop. uh, You know, I'm a uh, kid of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and like many of us at that time, you know, You spend your life here between two mountain ranges watching the planes go over, thinking, what's going on? Where are they going? (laughs) So you kind of plan your exit, right? And so my exit was to get out of town and go have adventures. And so I left for school in the 80s, and then finally in the early 90s, I was out. Completely, And I lived in Santa Barbara and Seattle and went to grad school and became a librarian and got a job offer kind of just out of the hat from New York Public Library. And I thought, well, that's the other side of the country. Never been there. Let's go. And, uh, did that. Didn't look back. I thought I would go there for a few years. I ended up falling in love with New York City and stayed there off and on until 2018. So, you know, about 25, 30 years there. So.
0: Well, New York City, what a huge difference between New York City and Bishop. Yeah. I mean, I can go to New York if I have something to do, if I'm going to a meeting and I am go in, do the meeting and come out, but I can't. I, it's just, for me, it's totally claustrophobic. How did, <laughs> was it ever claustrophobic for you when you first got there? Or?
2: No, you know, actually it was the opposite. I think growing up in Bishop, I felt the sparseness, right? You know, everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows if you took that left turn where you weren't supposed to take it, and you get home and your parents find out about it first, mm-hmm. you know, so living in the city for me was an exciting adventure and it was actually comforting to be surrounded by people. You'd, live in a giant apartment building and there's people who live 10 floors above you and 10 floors beneath you. And there's always this activity. And for a single person who's in his twenties, that was kind of, kind of comforting. And when you live in a city like New York, that's so very dense and very old for a, a number of years, you learn that it's not just one big city. It's actually a lot of little neighborhoods, a lot of little bishops. Mm-hmm. right? And you can walk 20 minutes and walk through three completely different neighborhoods, you know, start out in Chinatown, go through Little Italy, and then end up in Soho, which is very trendy or whatever. And, you know, the restaurants change, the people change, the accents change. And it's just, it's part of that adventure. And you find the neighborhoods that you're comfortable in and that you go to. And, and we joked about it all the time. By the time we left New York City, we had our three restaurants that we went to all the time, the parts that city we would hang out in the rest of the city might just leave it to the tourists you know so you just you, you learn to adapt i think
0: now you that's where you met wills as in new york yeah okay yeah what we how would you guys meet were you is it a work thing or
2: rest no thing, or? no dance clubs we were young mm-hmm. foolish like we all were in our in those <laughs> days right um it's since burned down so you know now we can't ever break up what kind it's of dance ball, club? it's just this random dance club out in music uh, in yeah, you know, pop, rock, okay, every kind of thing. Um, actually in Pennsylvania, near the Delaware River. Um, mm-hmm. in in um near Doylestown, which was just it was just a place where a lot of different people of all, you know, persuasions would come and just go because it was the only place to go on a Friday and Saturday night in that area. And it was just a lot of fun. And we knew a lot of our friends there. Some friends DJ'd there and, and what have you, and um yeah, that, that's where we met. And after a few years, at that point, I was living in New Jersey. And um, we hang out and lived together in this little artsy town called Lambertville on the Delaware River for a few years. And then we moved back to New York City. That was my second stint and his first stint in New York City. So, um, again, we went in with our five-year plan and ended up staying about 13 mm. um, for all good reasons. Uh, but then this opportunity came up. We were ready to leave and... We wanted to go, we were spending a lot of time hiking and spending time in the country. Like, let's go live with some rear mountains for a while. So
1: Same. I remember, sorry, I remember him describing, seeing Bishop for the time. He's like, that's where you live? <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So we're at the, coming we're
2: down the grade. Coming down the grade, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was his first time seeing Bishop. And he's like, what?
0: <laughs> so what was it like for you and will's moving here and the transition between the city life and him never living the owens valley life
2: you know it's really been interesting and it's and it's you know it's been a blessing i i love that we chose to do this um, you know, I knew kind of what I was going back to. Bishop hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot since I left. <laughs> There's a few I mean, more. We've got Eastern Sierra Bank and
0: <laughs> Eastern Sierra Pride.
1: Yeah, we've got that. Pride. And, Pride and... and then we've got Elevated and Looney Bean, those new buildings, Grocery Outlet. Yeah. yeah
0: and so, out. yeah, some, yeah.
1: Empty uh, some
2: empty Kmarts. Some empty And a few more stoplights.
0: I miss Kmart. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that, but I miss Kmart.
2: But no, yeah, it's been fun. You know, we, as I said, in New York, we were spending a lot of time up in the Catskill Mountains and stuff, just being outdoorsy people. So, you know, came here, we just like slid right into that that lifestyle. I had a job, which kept me, keeps me still up in Mono County, running the library system, which has been really fun because it's a great way to meet people and then Will's just dove right in. He he's a person. He's a people person, and he likes to do things where it will cause him to meet other people. So he volunteered a lot. He volunteered for Volunteer Eastern Sierra, Eastern Sierra Pride, um, and just built up a network. And now he works for the Sierra Club. So it's it's great. He, I think if I wanted to leave now, he would be the one who say no. He's really hmm. fallen in love with this place. Yeah.
0: So, I have to ask you so you moved to, you left New York in 2018. Right. You were there for 25 years. Mm-hmm. So, you were there 9 11.
2: Yeah, that was a.
0: So, what was that time. like for you
2: guys? So, at that time, I worked for a company where we worked with libraries across the country that were building new buildings, and I got to help them choose all the books. And so, we. We had a facility just across the river in New Jersey, and that's where I was working that day with my colleagues and um, a number of the salespeople who worked for that Did you company. you see the skyline? If you went outside, you could okay. and stood on the roof. Um, we weren't that close. But a number of the people who worked for that company were flying in and out for sales meetings that, that week. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, you know, when I just, I do remember everyone remembers that day, right? It's like December 7th, 1941. Mm-hmm. You remember where you were and how you felt and coming into work and hearing the news and wondering if it's true. And then of course it was true And that everyone, you know, clamoring around a TV. And of course we had friends and colleagues in the city um, that you're worried about and people fly, your colleagues who are flying in and out of Newark airports and the other airports that you're worried about. And, um, you know, cell service wasn't what it used was in those days, what it is today. So it was really hard for people to get in contact, mm-hmm. which I think was the most traumatic thing. One of my colleagues at work who worked across the desk from me, um, her son worked in one of the towers, and mm. she spent the entire day glued to her phone because she, she wouldn't go anywhere because she, she knew that he would call her. And that was a really traumatic. traumatic... He ended up getting to call her when he got out of the tower... And like many of the people who did get out, they had to walk. You just, nothing was working and you just walked until you reached safety or someone who could take you home or all the way home.
1: Mm. And
2: he walked for hours until he got up to Midtown and finally got access to a phone to call his mom. That's one of a million stories like that during the day. And um, our story, uh, you know, uh, I didn't see it happen personally. So um, I'm, you know, my story's easier than a lot of other people who were right there. I know people who were... Running, you know, as the towers were falling from things falling in the sky that they never would, you'd never want to run from this stuff. So, you know, it's its its a challenge.
1: This episode of This Crazy Life is also sponsored by Jaspin IT Consultants. Jaspin is trusted by financial firms, hospitals, and small businesses with over 30 years of experience, specializing in... Computer repair for PC and Mac, managed IT solutions, managed antivirus, servers, virtualization, networking, surveillance solutions, VoIP phone service, and digital signage. We are building a reputation for creating a positive return on investments for our clients. If you are serious about your business success, our team of professionals can get you there. Strategic thinking, personal attention, competitive prices, real-world results. Discover the Jaspin Difference located at 249 North Main Street in Bishop, California, 760-872-2797, or on the web at www.jaspin.com.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, even, but still, the community of the tri-state area—that's mm-hmm. it—is it the tri-state: yep. New York, New Jersey, yeah, and in Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah. I mean, the community that was completely built after that whole tragedy happened. Um, was pretty incredible. I mean, the stories that we heard coming out of there, but um, yeah, I'm so sorry that. Yeah. You know, uh, even six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're all part of the, all had that energy that happened that day.
2: Yeah, and you're right. It there, it did show resiliency um, in community and that people stepping up to help. Mm-hmm. Um, that it just happened almost automatically, and it, and and that re- reinforces your belief in humanity, right? If something, God forbid, something were to happen here. You know, you, I I would trust that, you know, we would step up to help, but we wouldn't not be able to. So, right. yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's just switch switch gears a little bit here. <laughs> okay. I know. Okay. I don't want to go. <laughs> I just had to ask because you're there. And that and was just some, that was, like I said, it's a day that we will not forget. Right. You know what happened. So you've got a little cheat sheet there. Is that a cheat
2: I always order? bring cheat sheets. Uh... I
0: want to know what you're reading. Okay. I know that I'm not sure when this is going to air, but you are going to be giving a, a great talk at the Eastern Sierra Book Festival.
2: Alongside is, you? Is, no, you're huh? going to be there, right? Yeah,
0: but you're you're doing like the. Oh, I'm, talking, about I, yeah. talking about books. You're talking about books. In general. So <laughs> what do you? And I love your posts on Facebook. Oh, there was you. one. book... I wrote it down. Um, the woman who. Had to marry three kids right away, and she left her kids. She just posted it. recently I can't remember. Yeah, it's, I I'm, see the cover. It's a woman sitting in a car.
2: Sure, it's uh, it's a book that came out. It's a first novel that came out a couple years ago from Eleanor Anstruther, okay. um, and I uh, and now the title is blanking. I can see
0: the <laughs> uh, the excuse or the. Um, it was like it's not excuse.
2: It's not an inconvenient excuse, but it's something it's like something that. like that. But basically, it's a it's a first novel about a young woman. This is immediately post World War One, when so many of the men had died, including her brother. Mm-hmm. From an aristocratic family, he was going to inherit everything, and now you know the family needs another oh, that's male I
0: mean. heir. And yeah. she was forced to marry and had three children. Yeah,
2: she basically back, right? married into a loveless relationship and had three children, and and things happen in that relationship. Um, and her relationship with children because she had postpartum depression, which in that time was just called your craziness. You're feeling the blues. You'll get over it. Um, and the story actually goes, draws out for a, a few decades. Um, she ends up selling one of her sons to her sister for 500 pounds. Just take him off my hands. I don't need him. Um, and at the end of the book, you realize she puts in a little coda that, uh, It was based on her own family story. Her father had been sold by his mother to his aunt and created this huge rift in the family. And he was so bitter that when he died, he's like, here, you get to have all this documentation, write a book about it. And that's what this book is. It's fascinating. Great book club read. I think there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'll find out the title and post it again.
0: It's on his Facebook page. Christopher Platt Facebook. It's on there. So what are you you doing these days? What else are you doing?
2: So uh, right now, at the time we're recording, we're in the middle of summer reading up in Mammoth, and Mono County. All through, we have seven locations up there, and so there's summer reading for kids all around the county. Yeah. Uh, read for prizes, but also we've got this great, this year we're doing a new middle school book discussion as part of it, reading Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Graceland, which is a terrific kind of 5th, 6th grade read. Um around that and then a bunch of activities around that and then we have book clubs going both virtual and physical around the county those are always fun including one that just started up in Benton it started with two people and now it's got six so mm-hmm. I'm like yay that's most of Benton joining a book club yeah as I say that um, population that's great no it's 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 awesome and it just and what I love about it and part of what my I think my role is here and Stacy you were kind enough to join us on our Oxygen Star podcast for an episode is to talk about books and and exhibit the behavior that it's okay to ask people, what are you reading? You know, you can stand in line in bonds and talk about, oh, did you hit the ski runs this morning or how are the trails or what have you? But you can also say, Hey, what are you reading? And when I ask that question and I get asked that question all the time, I more often than not get an answer that says, oh, I'm reading this. So that tells me that the people that we encounter on a daily basis are all engaged with this act of reading, whether reading a magazine or a book or listening to an audiobook or something like mm-hmm. that. It's so important because reading is behavior that is you're investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And it gives you space and time to, to kind of process all the other mishigas that we deal with during the day. So for the Eastern Sierra Book Festival, uh, thank you. Uh, Jennifer Crittenden is always kind enough to ask me to kind of come and tell the tell the attendees what I've been reading lately and what I'm looking forward to read. So I have a, a list, and by the time this comes out, I think it'll already be announced. You can go to the library website yeah. and see it. Um, but I, I have a list of titles that are Christopher's choices of what I've been reading during 2023 and then the titles I'm excited about that are coming out during the fall publishing season, which basically starts in August, and mm-hmm. all the big hitters come out in, in fall so that people buy Christmas gifts. Oh, is of that how it works? Pretty much. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll tell you two titles I'm excited about. Okay. One is fiction. This is called Whale Fall by Daniel Krauss. Daniel Krauss has been around for a f- number of years. He writes a lot of young adult books. This is actually an adult book, but he's also fascinated and very knowledgeable about, about the ocean and its creatures. And he actually worked with Guillermo de Toro to create Shape of Water, that movie that came mm. out a long time ago. Well, in this book, a young man who is grieving the death of his father, his father dies in an ocean accident and drowns and is lost at sea off the coast of Monterey. And this, this young man is kind of trying to deal with that grief and has problems with his family and what have you. He scuba dives out off Monterey coast in an attempt to find his father's body, basically, which basically tells you a little bit about his mindset, you know? Um, but this is what happens. He gets a little too far out. He encounters a giant squid at the kind of the surface of the ocean, which doesn't happen, right? Giant squids don't come up there unless something is happening. And he realizes that there's something happening underneath. If the squid is up here, he's probably being pursued by the giant squid's only real predator, which are sperm whales. And sure enough, a sperm whale is shooting up from underneath to eat that squid, and he's caught in the middle. Hmm. The unthinkable happens he gets swallowed into the belly of a whale and he has an hour's worth of oxygen to, f- to figure out, can I get out? Now, that... The reason I talk on this book is two reasons. One, I am incredibly afraid of the deep. I have a hard time well, diving. On
0: Monterey, there's that. It's
2: shelf. the shell. The shell draws ball. Yeah, and that's exactly what he does. He goes too far out and that's when that comes up.
0: I thought you were going to say that he was swimming around Monterey Bay and found the body of John Denver about. Yeah.
2: <laughs> John Denver died. That's probably number 2. Uh, the sequel. Um, but no, it's just a fascinating book. And then Daniel Kraus himself is so knowledgeable about ocean creatures that he uses science to drive this plot, you know? And so you're, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility what this young man is trying to do to escape mm. the whale. It's all very anatomically correct. You know, whale have teeth, but they don't use them to chew. So something's right. gotta chew you. And it turns out in a sperm whale, it's the stomach that mm. does the chewing. And there are four stomachs. So this is just a yeah. teaser. For me, I don't read horror books, but for me, it was a horror book. What's it called again? It's called Whale Fall by Daniel Krauss. Whale Um, Fall. Yeah. I read it in broad daylight over lunch hours. I would would not read this in bed before falling asleep. How
0: fast of a reader are you?
2: I read pretty quickly. And some of these books, you know, the books that I tend to read, they read very... You can read them in a
0: weekend.
2: Okay. So the other book that I'll tell you about that I think a lot of... um, your viewers might like is a new book coming out in September called Disney on the Mountain. You may already know this story, but when Walt Disney opened up Disneyland in the mid-50s and he was planning Disney World in Orlando, his last passion project was going to be to open a ski resort in the the California mountains.
0: Actually, I didn't
2: know that. And that's up here in the... Mineral King. (laughs) Mineral King down near Sequoia. Yeah, that's it. And so, you know, he was a Disney appreciated the outdoors. He was he was um, given awards by the Sierra Club and other organizations for you know his his outdoor education documentaries in the 50s and that kind of thing. But skiing was becoming more popular, mm-hmm. and so he was looking, scouting places to go. He, they looked up near Tahoe at one point. He made an offer to buy Mammoth Mountain, lock, stock, and barrel, and I guess McCoy turned him down. And he ended up at Mineral King Valley. Um, a little bit further south of here. I'm pointing at that south. Um, But, you know, by this time it was the 60s and conservationism had really taken root. Mm -hmm. And the Sierra Club had kind of turned from the sleepy organization into an activist organization. And so this book is a fascinating story about how, you know, with the best of intentions of his time, he was gonna open a ski resort down there, he gonna camouflage the ski lifts, he was gonna try and put the town out of sight so it wouldn't, like, spoil the view, mm-hmm. and he was gonna make you park outside of the area and take a monorail in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also adjacent to Sequoia National Park. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, long story short, the, the conservationists won out, the resort did not get built. In fact, right. Mineral King then became part of Sequoia National Park as it is today. Um, but the story is fascinating, and like you, Stacy, I didn't know. I had no idea he was going to put animatronic singing bears in Mural King Valley well, as part of the ski resort. You know, I have watched <laughs> <lunch> the documentary <laughs> on on the uh, Disney Dewey. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. What yeah. is a
0: documentary about
1: this? Well, you can watch them on YouTube. There's all kinds of different little documentaries. It's not about this. I, the book is totally different. I, I'm <laughs> I'm going to read the book. This sounds really exciting because I want to see how it compares to the documentary. Everything that you said about what he wanted to do is true. But the Sierra groups were really concerned because of what was happening in Anaheim at the time. In like, Anaheim, are we really going to hide the town? You knew they right. knew that it would explode beyond Disney's control.
2: And they had recently seen what happened when um, bigger roads were built into Yosemite, right? And Yosemite was already experiencing overcrowding and pollution, and they did not want that to happen right. to Sequoia. So, but uh, you know, that's a book comes out in September, "Disney mm-hmm. on the Mountain" by Greg Glasgow. Keep an eye out for it.
0: Okay, and then are you still doing your oxygen deprived
2: podcast? Oxygen starved podcast? Yeah, we're on <laughs> We're on summer break, uh, but yeah, we're going into our I think our fourth year. We're, oh, that's we're great. hitting wow. up to ninety episodes. So. Oh
0: my gosh! Do you record once a month? Is that
2: your? We record a couple of times a month. Okay, um, you know when the roads are open. <laughs> this last right. winter, we had a. Pretty forced hiatus when we couldn't get anywhere, um, but yeah, a couple of times a month. And that again, that podcast is mostly to talk about books because my colleague Dr. Stacey Adler and our producer Doug Thornberg were book people, um, and again, it's just kind of give a vehicle to you know give people an idea of some new titles they might be interested in, and also just how to chat about them. But we also frame it on adventure books and conversation. So we talk a little bit, and adventure is kind of like a little bit something unique around the Eastern Sierra. Either a trail we've hiked, or have we gone kayaking, or a historical marker, or something like that that kind of hooks you in. Then we talk about books, and then the final thing, as you experience, Stacey, is our conversation with someone from the East Side who contributes uniquely to our live-work lifestyle. And we have no end to people we can invite on, and all of them bring books that they suggest. Some of them write books. Um, and it's just a delight. It's kind of like an oral history of, similar to what you guys do, a history of of who lives here, mm-hmm. right? That you know, decades from now, people can go back and oh, they want to hear what Tim Alpers actually sounded like. They, you know, he was one of our first guests, and or or you or anybody else. So um, I just love it, and I get to meet people from around the area. Have you
1: by chance met Brent, who owns Saragoto? Because he owns not yet. Owned or owned a publishing company.
0: Cerro Gordo?
1: Yeah, the town, the ghost town. Oh. He bought the ghost town out there. I think he ended up buying out his partners and stuff. Oh. He's rebuilding the Americano Hotel. Oh, is he? But he was, uh, yeah, he was a publisher. I'd... no, I didn't know that. Yeah, I I think that that, uh, that would that can... be an interesting podcast
2: if you guys got into talking about his previous. Sure, or talking about Sarah Gordo. A oh, lot of yeah. people would find that fascinating. My dad had stories of Cerro Gordo um yeah send I me mean his contact information
1: I will reach He's out just, he was just all in the books too so awesome I mean obviously publisher
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you have you read the Dr. Nellie book um
2: no Nelly was
0: the first female doctor right, here right back in the 1800s and her six times great step uh six times great granddaughter is my stepdaughter
2: oh mm-hmm. that's terrific yes yeah. A lot of my colleagues have written it. We've got the book in all the libraries. It's pretty popular. It's great when yeah. you get those kind of stories. Right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you know what I think? I, I don't know if it's just me. I think books are making a comeback. I mean, there was a while there that people have said all, all, the, all the actual books. Yeah, not... And actually, just, just reading is making a comeback. I think the, I think humanity is overwhelmed with <laughs> social media and everything, and they're just turning it off and just, if I get into a book... I don't have to deal with any of the news and anything that's going on in the planet. And it, at least with my people that I I know, everybody's reading something right now because yeah. they don't want to deal with what's going on on planet Earth at this moment.
1: No, who does? But right. let me ask you a question: Are
2: you are you are you a book person or a Kindle person? I'm uh, both. Both. Right. So I'm agnostic. I'm a librarian. I I'm a <laughs> book person <laughs> since I was this big, reading Reader's Digest condensed books that my family got on subscription. Um, and I read every book in the Bishop Library before I graduated high school. Um, so I will I will ingest from whatever way I can. I, right. I, what do you prefer? It, you know, it depends on where I am. You know, if I'm on my lunch hour, I often just prefer to have it on my iPad. It's right. To okay. Carry around. I can go up to the Lake Basin and sit by Horseshoe Lake and read a book. You know, that kind of thing. But, you know, if I'm at home and I'm sitting in my chair and I got my tea yeah. or, you know, whatever, I kind of like the weight of a. Of a it's book. an
0: environmental. In, I
1: tend to get it on both, so yep. that I can do the same thing when I'm, yeah. sitting there having my cup of tea. I can read my book, but then I can also grab it on my Kindle read it on my phone, well, read it ask, on my computer, or read it on my
2: tablet. So let me ask you, yeah, um, do you read more nonfiction on your on your tablet and fiction, and you know? I read more fiction uh, probably
1: than anything. I really want to escape reality. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I escape it in a variety of ways too. I read a lot of nonfiction on my tablet because I become one of those persons who will also keep Wikipedia or something else open, and I will fact fact, fact check, check or just do my own kind of research. You know, this Disney thing. I'm going. Where's Mineral King? I go and I look up a map, and oh, that's where it is. Well, I guess you know? I like history books
1: yeah. too more than if I'm going to go to if I'm going to go to nonfiction, I will probably read more of the history of an area. Yeah, yeah, that that I really enjoy.
2: Yeah. Are we out of time? Are we out yeah. of time? I These just, things always go so
0: fast. <laughs> Christopher Platt, thank you so much for thank being a guest on, on Slightly Filtered. Really appreciate you. I keep wanting to say coming down the mountain, but you live down the mountain. So thank you. <laughs>
2: he Thanks goes out after when he needs to work. Thanks I'm going you. out after this. Coming thank you. I appreciate it.